Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You are appreciated. Senior Care Live is the nation's premier radio program, providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. This is a safe place to get accurate and reliable information you can absolutely count on. Each and every week, We discuss important issues such as how to remain independent in your own home, how to find the right senior care community, how to pay for the high cost of senior care, and legal issues involving elder law and estate planning. We also discuss senior-related health issues and how to care for the caregiver. As always, if you have a question, you can reach us on our toll-free number anytime. It's 1-800-331-331. 6445. 1-800-331-6445. You can also visit online. It's a good website. Just go out and check that out at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com. All right. So we have a really great program for you here today. And it goes without saying that we find ourselves in extraordinary times right now. And, you know, times when we are called to help our neighbors in our community by doing the opposite of what comes naturally to us, staying away from each other. I know that's, I, that's really, really hard for me uh, personally to do that. And at any other time, we would be physically drawing together to support those who are in need, but that just simply isn't an option right now for all of the obvious reasons. So I'm pleased to welcome Mr. David Wiley, President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, to discuss some of the challenges we're facing and how we can overcome them together. So, David, welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here today. All right. I first want to thank your caregivers who are on the front lines each and every day. The need for the care provided at Kansas City Hospice has not gone away. And in fact, your mission to provide expert care, peace of mind, 
comfort, guidance, and hope to our community is more important now than ever before. So what are some of the challenges you see caregivers and patients facing right now? Well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate those kind uh, words. Um, But first, you know, let me start and say how grateful we are to be part of the Kansas City community. You know, people here have always cared for one another, and that really hasn't changed. Um, You know, we are all hearing about some of the greatest challenges healthcare providers are facing, um, not only here, but throughout the country. And and that's whether uh, we can access enough of the personal protection equipment, often referred to as simply as PPE. Um, and to keep our nurses and our caregivers safe, as well as our patients and families that we serve. Um, Another challenge that we're seeing among families is the access to help with some basic needs, um, which have been much more limited in the midst of the pandemic. The patients we serve and their caregivers, um, as you mentioned, are at high risk, and they're unable to venture out for access for help or even get groceries or hygiene supplies. And many of the organizations that serve them previously have suspended their services, which puts puts them uh, in a precarious position. Not only are they coping with a serious illness, but they may not ha- always know where their next meal is coming from, which is hard to hard to imagine. And I would say the third greatest challenge that we're seeing is a sense of isolation, loneliness, even fear and anxiety, which so often comes from following, you know, physical distancing guidelines, which have been so important in keeping all of us safe. Absolutely. At my church, we we partner with harvesters and we might normally uh, help 100, 150 families with food. Uh, sure. The last two times we've done this, we've we've served 500 families. Wow. Uh, so, so you talk about some of those essential support services. Now they're gone and people are in, are in big trouble out there for Absolutely. even the most basic necessities. So, so that connection with our loved ones and the greater community is so important. And I'm certain that is even more so with the people that you serve as they're either challenged with a serious illness of their own or a loved one or grieving a significant loss in their life. So can you share more about how the physical isolation is affecting patients and families served by Kansas City Hospice? Sure. You know, I think one really positive thing about hospice is that the issues of loneliness, isolation, and other areas of mental health are really not new to us. So we've long been attuned to these challenges, particularly for people at the end of life or who are grieving the loss of someone that they have, that they've loved. So um, what, what we so often see is that, you know, it's a natural response for some people to self-withdraw from others as they work to manage these issues. But what's different now is that since everyone is physically isolating, it's easier to miss signals from people that you're no longer seeing face-to-face. So they may be withdrawing uh, into themselves in an unhealthy way. And if no one's checking on them or offering support, they may feel invisible and actually sink even further. Mm. Yes, that is a huge concern. So what are you doing at Kansas City Hospice to address that issue? You know, there are several things, Steve, that we're doing. Uh, First and foremost, um, anyone on our service has a team of professionals that's checking on them, uh, tuning into their needs and ensuring that they have the care and support that they need. Uh, And this is really the hospice model of care. 
It's designed um, to meet people where they are to ensure they do have support. Um, to be able to do this effectively, we've moved many of our services to formats which allow us to continue to offer care in a physically safe way. So telehealth, for example, um, in just five weeks, we've been able to do uh, nearly 300 telehealth visits, which I think is incredible. Um, yeah, we're coordinating virtual visits. So to the extent that people cannot physically get together as a family during this time, whether it's travel restrictions or other visitor restrictions, we're working to help make that happen. And then, of course, through volunteer support. We're also really doing some unique things with our grief support program, again, through virtual visits, um, whether that's phone calls or through video telehealth type um, experiences. Our rate of acceptance is nearly double, which I think is incredible. So yeah. people are answering the phones, they're, ask, they're, they're agreeing to services. Um, you know, I guess that's one positive thing that, that's happened that, that we've slowed down as a society and that we're taking some time to connect with one another, um, you know, to both give as well as receive support. So those are some things that we're doing. And, you know, I think we had talked about this uh, possibly last month, but even though this is a really difficult time, I think some really good things are going to come out of that. And, and you just mentioned one, just slow down yeah, and, and get off of that, that merry-go-round that's going so fast all the time. We're, get, get off of that and just see with a new perspective, see with a fresh set of eyes See the importance of your family when maybe you took them for granted. Maybe you took your health for granted. There's so many th good things that are happening from this, and, and it's it's terrible that it, it takes something like this to uh, kind of force that. But um, in in the end, a lot of a lot of great things are coming of this. It, it, it's true, Steve. You know, for me, I would say just. Uh, waking up and sometimes watching the sunrise or watching the sunset, you know, I don't know it, how many, if I was taking the time that I am today to do some of that, um, you know, I, we always saw our family around the holidays and, um, you know, and we typically would get together at Christmas and then at Easter, but we've been doing kind of some, some zoom sessions together. And, um, yep. and, and now, uh, you know, we may be tired of seeing each other. We're seeing so so much of each other, but it's actually yeah. <laughs> fun and, and uh, we're getting caught up and I have nieces and nephews all over the country. It's really, it's really uh, been a fun, a fun outcome of this. And it's important, like you said, so. All right. And my wife is a nurse and uh, she works with, she has a lot of friends who are nurses and uh, some of them are scattered about the country now. They've, they've moved on from the Kansas City area. And the other day, uh, my wife said, honey, can you help me set up the Zoom thing so I can uh, talk to my friends. And they had a, a happy hour. It was a happy two hour <laughs> Zoom get together, maybe even two and a half hours, but they just had a great time reconnecting. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if they would have made that happen a couple of months ago, just because life sure. is just spinning so fast. And so you, 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 you slow down and you see what's important and you, and you now take the time and Frankly, you have the time uh, to connect and just so many, so many great things. Uh, so, so David, we have about a, a minute left. Um, do you, do you see these restrictions uh, starting to ease a little bit? Or are we still full on restricted right now? Yeah. You know, Steve, for us, um, we're following the Kansas City, Missouri guidelines. Um, yeah. 
And I think from an office perspective, we still want to give our caregivers as much space as possible and protect them from whatever is going to happen. You know, we certainly don't want to cause that type of problem. So I feel like that is going to continue. Um, I think that this, the outcome from this will um, be that more people will accept, um, you know, some of the the services that we've, we've um, offering the telehealth has been a real, a real game changer. I know that I went to a physician uh, via telehealth uh, and that was, you know, it was fine. It, it was fine. So I think it, we're, things are changing, but the restrictions right now, I think are important. We want to keep people safe. Absolutely. All right. So we'll have more right after the break, but first let's not forget the Senior Care Live question of the week. Feelings of isolation is a new phenomenon as a result of COVID-19 restrictions. Is that statement true or false? We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. It's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device. If you go to SeniorCareLive.com, click on the big microphone right there on the homepage or the Listen Live button. Give it a few seconds to connect, and then it'll start streaming to your phone your tablet, your computer, whatever you have, and it really is that simple. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Feelings of isolation is a new phenomenon as a result of COVID-19 restrictions. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. The answer is False. Isolation is a natural human response to trauma, sadness, and a recognized symptom of depression. And the current environment of community-imposed physical distancing makes it easier for people struggling with sadness and isolation to go unnoticed and unsupported. And I'll tell you what, that is one of the really, really bad uh, I guess, byproducts of, of this whole situation. We have to do it, but it's a serious issue. Uh, so we're here with David Wiley, President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice. And uh, David, what are some of the ways we can come together as a community to support one another? And how can we ensure that our most vulnerable community members do not go unnoticed? You know, that's a great question, Steve. And I think this is an opportunity for all of us to show up for one another and um, a few lessons that we're learning. So uh, first, you know, there's power in proximity. So good neighbors have never mattered more than right now. And one of the easiest things that we can do is check on those neighbors. Um, You know, so if there's an older individual on your street or your apartment building or somebody who's facing an illness, check in with them, make sure they're doing okay. You know, slip your phone number under the door, offer to pick up some perishables on your next run to the grocery store or set up a signal which allows you to. let them let them know you let you know that they're safe um, uh-huh. and okay or 
or whether they, they need some help. So uh, this hyper-local connection is necessary. And as people begin to reacquaint themselves with the, the uh, age-old neighborly norms, I think there's uh, building new friendships in, in new ways. And I think we're, we're actually on the cusp of a, of a neighborhood renaissance, um, even as we hunker down you know, at home. And the second area um, is to support organizations who are helping on the front lines of healthcare or providing assistance with basic needs. Um, so for example, if you have financial resources to share with others, please consider a financial gift to organizations on the front lines of healthcare or social service assistance. At Kansas City Hospice, not only are we seeing increased expenses related to technology, PPE, and other organizational needs as we work to respond to the pandemic, but we're seeing our patients who've been thrown into financial instability as they are simultaneously challenged with a serious illness. So in the past several weeks, we've had several um, or multiple patients um, who are now homeless um, because of COVID-19. Oh my gosh. One of the patients, for example, was isolated from a caregiver. They could no longer stay um, in the home. They had no resources um, to his name and he was sleeping in a van until he was recently moved to the Kansas City Hospice House, for example. Um, okay. Another patient in her 30s, coping with a painful and serious illness, can no longer work, and she's sleeping on a friend's couch until she can um, find stable housing. So hmm. I just think it, those are two really important things, and those financial resources help reach out to those people that, don't ha- that um, we can support those that don't have it. Okay. From a volunteer perspective, it's another... Another support, a way to support organization uh, like companion calls or pen pals. Um, Some of our volunteers are sending cards and letters to our patients, which uh, include a pre-stamped envelope so then they can write back. Um, And also we have a great music therapist um, and he's a volunteer. His name is Gary Kirkland. Um, He serenades patients at the Kansas City Hospice House by playing outside of their their windows. And I've seen the pictures of him. I I I love that. (laughs) It's so great. He he brings his dog Emma, and and um, so anyway, having if if people have a special skill set, they can offer to help, and and that can be very powerful for people. Another one is care bags. Um, Our volunteers are delivering care bags to our patients that include items like shampoo and toilet paper and. And, and hand sanitizer and cleaning products and adult coloring books and pencils. And then they drop them off at the door and then they call and say it's out there. So it's a surprise. And I think that's really cool. That is um, cool. But anyway, so, you know, our, our, our volunteer services don't look like they normally would, but um, we're really working to continue to keep our volunteers engaged and our families supported. All right. That is just excellent. And Clearly, the work of Kansas City Hospice does not stop, and there are so many ways people can continue to help their fellow community members. And David, I have one more question for you related to how we as a community can support one another, particularly as we grieve the loss of loved ones and remember them together. And for decades now, uh, Kansas City Hospice has held a community ceremony, and this is... uh, this might be my favorite one, uh, called the Circle of Lights, uh, which offers individuals and families a powerful way to remember their loved ones. And rain or shine, this event has occurred every year, and it's always the week before Memorial Day. And last year, drawing more than 800 people 
who requested more than 1,300 luminaries. So in this current environment, are you still planning to carry on with that event this year? You know, it's a great question, Steve, and um, I, I love this event. It's uh, so meaningful not only to families that we serve at Kansas City Hospice, but actually to people all across the community who have experienced the death of someone um, they've cared for or they've loved. And so I'm really happy to say yes, that we are going to host Circle of Lights once again this year on May 19th at 8 p.m. Of course, um, we want people to be safe and healthy. And so for this, for the first time um, for this event, we're not going to gather in person, but we're going to gather together as the community in an online environment. So we're working hard to ensure that the event is um, successful and, and powerful and meaningful to participating families. And um, one really positive thing about the move to an online event like this is that people are going to be able to participate who maybe weren't able to previously because they were either homebound or maybe they were outside the Kansas City area. Um, so if you have somebody that you love and you'd like to recognize them with this memorial event, you can uh, go to kchospice.org forward slash we remember, and you can make um, a secure donation uh, in tribute of your loved one if you decide to do that, or um, you, and or you can request that a candle be lit um, in their name for display on our website. So um, you'll be asked for your email address, and then we'll send you a link so you can join us and participate in the community event, which again is going to be held on May 19th at 8 p.m. All right. It's called the Circle of Lights. You can uh, sign up, make a donation, and have a candlelit luminary for your loved one that that you miss and you're grieving. You just want to share uh, in, in that in that that bond with others who are going through the same thing. KCHospice.org forward slash We Remember. It's Tuesday. May the 19th at 8 p.m. And David, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I will be having a candle lit in my dad's name. It's just a, it's, it's a great, great program. So thank you for all that you do and everyone in your, in your wonderful uh, uh, program there at, at KC Hospice. Uh, we, we just love you guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate the support and uh, you guys be safe as well. All right. We'll have more right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, call us on our toll-free number anytime. It's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. Don't forget, if you ever miss an episode of Senior Care Live, maybe you want to share the program with someone else, or maybe you just want to go back and hear it again, no worries at all. Go to SeniorCareLive.com, click on the podcast tab, and that's where you'll find all of the previously aired episodes, and just they're in chronological order, so uh, find the one that you wanted to hear, and uh, again, 
you know, click uh, click play and uh, give it a couple of seconds to connect and it'll stream to your electronic device and lots and lots of people listen to the podcast of this program after the fact. So feel free to help yourself. All right. Just want to say thanks again to my friend and special guest today, Mr. David Wiley. He is an amazing an amazing man, and he leads an amazing organization, Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and and they have so many just incredible events. And this this one might, I mean, I like uh, you, you already know I, I like Mustache Month, and you know there are a lot of a lot of events. This one might be my favorite. And again, just to emphasize that it's called the Circle of Lights, and and normally. Everyone gets together, it's down in the plaza, and, and you light this beautiful luminary in remembrance of someone who is gone and someone you miss. And, uh, and, and everyone's doing that. And, and it's just this powerful, powerful group coming together, and, and we all have something in common where, where we really miss uh, our, our loved one. And it could be multiple people that you're honoring with this luminary. And it is, there's something that's so powerful when a group comes together uh, in remembrance like that. It is phenomenal. So we're going to do this online this year, which is a really cool idea. And uh, if you want to donate, uh, you know, make a donation uh, on behalf of the person you're grieving, the person that you miss, the person who is gone and that you're going to recognize uh, uh, for this event, you can go, it's really simple, kchospice.org forward slash we remember, kchospice.org slash we remember. And you can make a donation there. You can request a luminary in the name of your loved one. And uh, this is going to be held Tuesday evening, May the 19th. So coming right up. And it's at 8 p.m. So just really cool. And something David had mentioned, you know, this way, you know, there maybe there are quite a number of, of people who, who will not be able to, uh, you know, make that event. Maybe they're homebound. Maybe they're not feeling well. And this is a perfect opportunity to attend this event online and, and just really get a lot out of it. And I can imagine that next year's event going forward, uh, maybe it's on two tracks. Maybe it's offered live streaming and uh, to where you could join online and in person uh, to pick up really both both groups, uh, folks who would like to get out and can get out, and folks who would love to attend but cannot get out. So uh, I can see uh, I can see that possibly happening uh, the following year. And then David also mentioned something that really really caught my ear, uh, and he talked about. We're on the cusp of a neighborhood renaissance, uh, even as we are kind of locked in our home homes right now and rediscovering our neighbors and forming new friendships. Uh, just a quick story: we live in a in a, a subdivision out in Spring Hill, Kansas, and uh, uh, there's a neighborhood. Uh, uh, Facebook page that most of our neighbors are on. And we talk about all sorts of things. And one of the neighbors said, Hey, we're all locked in, but we're all here together. And let's, uh, let's, let's have some fun. And Saturday at 6 PM, go outside and clash, you know, pots and pans and whoop and holler, honk your car horn and, and uh, let your neighbors know that you're here, you're live, you're well, and, uh, and that we're all in this thing together as a kind of a show of solidarity and neighborly love and support. 
<laughs> and, and so uh, I, I set a timer. And at six o'clock, I went out with the loudest, noisiest pan that I have and a wooden spoon and bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe the cacophony of just noise rising from our neighborhood. And people were honking. And uh, I heard somebody beating a bass drum somewhere. I heard uh, like some trombones and some musical instruments and, and woo woo. And, and I heard like a, a triangle dinner bell, ling, 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 you know, and all sorts, sorts of noise. It went on for about five minutes and everyone was laughing and smiling. And just that was so cool. So this neighborhood renaissance uh, that is happening, uh, I can say at least in, the neighborhood that that we live in. So, uh, uh, and I was visiting with David uh, off air, kind of in between the the break there. But as difficult as this is, there are going to be so many good things that come out of this. Uh, so many, so many great things will come from this. So, you know, we're we're still locked down, and, and you know, I can I can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. We still have a ways to go, but everyone. Hang in there. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Painful, but but okay. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears here and uh, talk about something that that you know I I work with every single day. Uh, to a lot of people, this is something that is probably uh, pretty new. Uh, but uh, I I work with, with with families who are searching for a senior care community. And, you know, a lot of family and individuals are needing the assisted living level of care. And then a lot of them need more help than that. So they're looking at long-term care, also known as a nursing home. And so I just wanted to touch on something today and just let you know, there is a huge difference. And that's huge, all caps, huge difference in long-term care communities. Uh, and, and it's just, just incredible how different some of these places are. Uh, so, if, if you didn't know, there's a, a movement, it's been going on for a while, uh, and, and it's in long-term care that's referred to as culture change or person-centered care. Now, what is that? Well, culture change and person-centered care uh, is, is basically this. In these long-term care communities, again, also known as nursing homes, there is a, a deliberate and concerted effort to make these places less institutional and more home-like. And, and so you're, and, and I, I can already see some eyes rolling. <laughs> well, Steve, it's not like my home. Well, I understand that. I understand. And there's only so much you can do with a building. I said more home-like. And so there are some examples of this that I wanted to share with you on how you can affect in a positive way culture change, less institutional and more home-like, and then implement person-centered care because, quite frankly, it's all about the residents and the care provided for those residents. So here's an example of, of, of culture change and, and person-centered care. So, you know, one place that I, I recently spoke with, and I was kind of shocked, actually. I, in fact, I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> when when I, I, was, uh, I, I was touring a community with my client and with his wife, 
and they asked about showers. Well, do you, do you get it like a shower every day or you, how, do you, how do you deal with the showers? And here is a quote. You get two showers per week and that's it. We only have so many staff to help with this. Uh, and and that's, that's what you'll get, two showers a week, period. And I didn't say anything. I just waited for my clients to respond and there was just silence. Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you get two showers a week and you'll like it is kind of what it was. And, and uh, I'm just like, wow, I, you haven't heard of culture change, have you? <laughs> so another place will use person-centered care approach. And, uh, and they would answer it like this. when you So, so if we were at another place, and this particular place is very, very good at person-centered care. In fact, they may be the leaders of all places in person-centered care. Same question was asked. You know, how do we deal with the showers? And, and you know, how's that going to work? And how many showers do I get per week? And that sort of thing. And you know what their response? Their response wasn't, you get two a week and you like it. Their response was really a question. sir. How many showers did you take at home? And he said, well, I mean, I, I like to take a shower every day uh, because I just, I, I don't feel good unless I've had a shower and have my hair washed and, and, and I like to take a shower every day. And that's what I do at my home. And this place said, uh, uh, they, they, they said, uh, well, then that's exactly what we'll do here. If you took a shower every day at your home, then we want to duplicate that rhythm and we want to, we want to do here what you did there. And so we'll give you a shower every day. Do you prefer your shower in the morning, in the afternoons, or in the evening? And they went on from there. So instead of barking out a, you'll get two showers a week, whether you like it or not, they asked the question, how many showers do you take at home? And whatever that is, We'll do it here because this, this will be your new home and we want to do here what you did in your home. And that is a great example of person-centered care and culture change. I'm going to have several more examples of that right after the break. Don't go away. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. It's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. All right, back to our conversation of culture change and person-centered care. Uh, so, so the old institutional way, you'll get two showers a week, whether you like it or not. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's the old way. 
And I guess it's the current way from some places, which is ridiculous, by the way. Uh, the new way is, sir, how many showers would you like to have? And how many showers do you normally take while living at home? And if you take a shower every other day or every day, okay, great. Then that's what we will do here. So trust me, there's a huge difference in all of these places, even if they look kind of the same. Uh, we help our clients with senior care consulting. We help our clients navigate through the really difficult process of determining what they need, what they want, and then finding the top senior care communities that match our wants and our needs, that check every box that we're looking for. So let me give you a few other examples of culture change and person-centered care. So one big area, and this is you know not that difficult to change, uh, is in the area of dining. And look, you know, eating uh, that that's a big deal. And that uh, as you grow older, and if you're living in a senior care community, I mean that's a big uh, social event. And uh, and, and you, you want good food. We all want good food. So in the area of dining, uh, this is the older, you know, tired institutional model. Well, you'll get up at 6 a.m. and this is what you'll have at breakfast and you will like it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is what you get. This is what you'll have. This is when you'll eat it. And, uh, and there you go. Boom. And it, like it or leave it. An example of culture change and person-centered care is to the question of, well, you, when, when do you have breakfast? Because I, I kind of like to sleep in a little bit. That's no worries at all. You can sleep in till whenever you'd like to get up, and then you can come down to the dining room, and we will make you breakfast to order. Because you know what we do in our home? Like, like especially, you know, on the weekends, you know, we, we sleep till we want to sleep unless we have something going on that morning. But if we want to sleep in a little bit, we can sleep in. And then what do we do? We go down to the kitchen and sometimes it might be a piece of toast. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, waffles and bacon or, you know, sometimes it's, um, uh, you know, omelets or sometimes it's just a cup of coffee. So it, it, it's different because you don't feel the same every morning. And sometimes you might want breakfast at 7 a.m. Sometimes you might want breakfast at 9.30 a.m. So again, culture change, you sleep in till whenever you want to get up. And when you want to come down to the dining room, we'll make you breakfast to order. Boom, culture change. And it's a good thing. And it's not that difficult to implement, okay? Um, instead of well, you can eat from, you know, what are your dining hall hours? 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. And your lunch will be from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. And your dinner will be from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Oh, okay. Well, what if I sleep in a little bit and want to eat something at 9.30 a.m. for breakfast? Nope, can't do it. Sorry. Dining hall's closed. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So instead of that, that's the old institutional model, it is, the response would be, we have open dining and you can eat when you want to. And, you know, 
generally we'll have breakfast around this time, lunch around this time, and dinner around this time. But if you are kind of a night owl, maybe you like to be up at night. And if you're hungry at 2 a.m., we'll make a full meal for you if that's what you want. Because again, guess what? If you wanted to do that at your house, you could and you would do that if you wanted to do that. All right, here's another example. Uh, it's, it's a place that just does such a great job. Uh, they are the leaders of culture change. And in fact, they teach other senior care communities how to implement culture change. But I was walking through on a tour one time and the really nice lady said, Steve, do you notice anything different? And I said, well, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not seeing anything, um, I don't think. And she said, do you notice any medication carts sitting in our hallway? And I'm looking around, I'm like, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, no, I don't see any medication cart sitting around. And she said, well, you know, we're, we're walking down the hall one day and someone said, well, wait a minute. If this is really supposed to be our home, does anyone here in your home have a medication cart sitting in the hallway as you walk down to your bedroom? Well, of course, no, they don't. Well, then why do we have them here? So what they did was they tore out a closet space on each and it's not a hallway, it's a neighborhood. And they turn that closet into an apothecary, which is a little drugstore. And that's where they distribute the medication for residents on that particular hallway slash neighborhood. And they, they got rid of all their medication carts, really cleaned the place up. A medication cart kind of equals institutional look. Uh, you might see those in hospitals and that sort of thing, uh, you know, which is fine. But this is someone's home and we don't have med carts in someone's home. So, and then I think the biggest and most difficult challenge and maybe the slowest uh, part of culture change is just changing the attitudes of the staff. So, imagine uh, you're a nurse and for years you've pulled into this parking lot and you walk into this building, you open the door and you walk into the building and, and you clock in. And this is where I take care of elderly people who need my help. How much different would that nurse act if she thought this way? She pulled into the parking lot. That's like pulling into someone's driveway. She opens the front door to the building. That's the same thing as opening the front door to someone's house, to their home. And when you walk down the hall and you walk into a resident's room, you're now walking into a resident's bedroom in their home. That's a sacred and personal space. How much different would you act if you really thought of it that way? So I, I think changing the mindset of the staff is the most difficult part of that, uh, but it is happening. It is happening. And the, 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 the point of this story and these examples is that not all senior care communities are the same. And this is just one of the many ways that we're able to help our clients at Senior Care Consulting help determine what you need, help determine uh, what, you know, do the research in the market to determine our top communities meeting all of your needs. And then we meet with you and the communities. We conduct a performance audit. We ask a ton of questions. We calculate exact staffing ratios. We report to you what the state found in its most recent surprise health inspection. 
all of this fantastic information to help you make the best decision possible. If you need help, we can help you today if needed. 913-945-2800 or online at SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right, just want to thank David Wiley from Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care for all the great information. Just a great guy, a great organization. Sure did enjoy having him on the program today. All right, I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.